Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. Are you comfortable in life? Well, is it possible that you are too comfortable? Could it be that you have settled in the land of permissible and are missing out on God's best for you? I am so excited for you to listen to this message that was captured at my fall 2023 conference, West Side Story. As you listen, there are two things you have to look forward to. First, my spring 2024 conference, There's a Super on Your Natural, is the next part to these messages on West Side Story. And second, this message will be published as my eighth book. Be ready for the release of that book this spring. All right, here we go. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to my channel if you haven't already and share it with a friend. All right, enjoy the show. So I want to talk to you a little bit about West Side Story, and I've been talking to you, for those of you who follow me on social media, you know I've been talking about West Side Story for several months. Um, So West Side Story actually came out of a personal experience of mine where I felt um, probably around January, February, or March, I began to really consider the rhythm of my life, consider the spiritual rhythm of my life. I really began to take a look at some of my spiritual disciplines, for lack of a better term. I'm not really big on the word disciplines, but we began to, I began to take a look at my spiritual disciplines. And what I realized was I was settled in a place of a really good habit, where I really had good rhythm in my life. And what I really discovered was I had this rhythm of getting up and reading the Bible every day and having my quiet time, sitting in the presence of the Lord. I use my prayer language on a regular basis. And I'm not saying any of those things to be arrogant, but what I am saying is no matter what level you are at, I began to realize that the Lord was like, I love the level that you're at and I love the anointing that you flow in, but is it possible that if you gave me more, you could do more? You could flow in more. Your anointing could be bigger. It could be greater. And I took that very seriously, and I began to ask the Lord, what were some things that he wanted to move from a place of being good in my life to a place of being better in my life? I think many of us uh, have bought into this lie as a believer that at some point we're trying to kind of cultivate a place of cruise control in our life. I want to get to a place where I'm through all the mountains, I'm through all the rivers, I've hurdled all the trials, I've I've army crawled my way through all the tribulations, and I've come to a place where I'm comfortable, I'm on cruise control, life is good, I get up in the morning, I sit on my back porch with my coffee, I throw my ball for the ball for my dog, and I'm comfortable. And if we're honest with ourselves, What we're missing out on in that is that God is a God of more, and there's always greater spaces, greater places, more that he wants to do in your life, more that he wants to do in my life. But if we want that more, which we all do, we all say we want that more, but we're often not willing to make changes to get the more. And so I began thinking about this, and I began thinking about some of the uh, biblical stories, and the Lord reminded me of Uh, The Israelites, the 12 tribes, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a history lesson. I want you to think with me for a moment about the 12 tribes. They, of course, come out of the 12 sons of Jacob. They are the 12 tribes, and they are moving out of Egypt. If you remember, they were in captivity in Egypt. 
Moses comes in, he sets them free, God sets them free. They begin moving across the wilderness to the land of Canaan, to the land of promise. Now, mind you, this land of promise was spoken over Abram years before this. So all of Old Testament, God is trying to restore God, his people to his covenant, which ultimately is the Garden of Eden. The perfection and the excellence and the superiority and the glory of the Garden of Eden. And so he gives this covenant to Abram and says, I want to move you into a land of promise. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a land that's abundantly fruitful. And so all of the Old Testament is God trying to move his people from the land of lack to the land of promise. But in Numbers 13, the Israelites come to the edge of the promise And fear and doubt and unbelief captures them. If you remember, it's the story when he says, send 12 spies in to spy on the land. They go in and they spy. They come back with evidence and say, surely this is a good land. Look at the abundance of fruit that God has prepared for us. And you remember the story where they basically said, no, the people, they are too big. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We are too small. We are too weak. We are too frail. We cannot take the land. And so in that moment, they end up shrinking away from the promise. They end up shrinking away from the Canaan, the west side of the Jordan, and we're going to get there, the west side of the Jordan, and you remember it says, now that whole generation is going to die in the wilderness, and I'll wait for the next generation. So 40 years later, here we come again at the cusp of the promise, coming to the edge of all that God has said to them all of these years. In Numbers 32, it says this, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a great multitude of livestock. And when, now let me back up for a moment. Because of the 12 tribes, there are two two tribes. They are Reuben and Gad, and it's not mentioned in this passage, but there's also the half-tribe of Manasseh. Okay, so you have 12 tribes, two and a half tribes basically are on the east side of the Jordan with everybody else. They're on the cusp of crossing the Jordan River, and this is what they say. Now, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw, everybody said they saw, when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock. In other words, where we are at is a good land. It's great for what we do. We are prospering here. This is a great land. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses and Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the congregation saying this, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock. And your servants, meaning Gad and Reuben, we have livestock. And they said this, therefore they said, if we have found favor in your sight, Let this land be given to your servants as a possession. And then they said this, do not take us over Jordan. Now, I teach a class on Monday mornings, and we read for Scripture, and often I will say, what is the saddest verse in this entire chapter? 
And I would like to propose to you that this might be the saddest verse in this entire chapter. Because Reuben and Gad, like all of the other tribes, were standing on the edge of what God had promised, but what they could see, what they had established, where they had gotten comfortable was good enough for them. And they settled on the east side of the Jordan. Now, I want you to think about the Jordan River for a moment representing the border to your promise. I want you to think about it representing the border to the fullness of your inheritance as it was for them. This was the moment they had been waiting. The entire Old Testament is God trying to move his people from the land of lack to the land of promise. And mind you, it started in the Garden of Eden. God's plan for you has not changed. His desire for you has not changed. His inheritance for you has not changed. His promises to you have not changed. God is stubborn to restore his children into the fullnesses of their promises. The promise was there in its fullness, yet there was a shrinking back. Not just once, but twice with Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, I want to remind you that in Deuteronomy 8, it says this, of the promised land. Now, I want you to read this, not just as a story from years ago, but I want you to hear it relevant for you today. I want you to receive it as a prophetic word. Can we just do that? Yes. We can receive it as a prophetic word. For the Lord, your God, is bringing you into a good land. Come on, say, my God is bringing me into a good land. Come on. And he says this, it is a land with brooks. It is a land with streams. It is deep springs gushing out into the valleys and into the hills. What are the valleys? They're the low places in our life. But this passage is saying, oh, I'm a God who wants to gush forth in your low places. Come on. I'm a God who has streams in mind for you. And he says, it is a land with wheat. It is a land with barley. It is a land with vines. It is a land with fig trees. It has pomegranates. It has olive oil. It's dripping with honey. Come on, this is a land. This is a land. It is a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. It is a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. But this was a land where they would reap what they did not sow. Come on, this is a land where they would reap wells they did not dig. This was a land where they would reap fruit that they did not sow. This is a land where they would reap abundance without a work. Come on, that seems inside out. That seems impossible. But it's the entire Old Testament. And it's the purpose of Jesus Christ that he brought us into that space. He brought us into that place. It was a land that has wells, but too often... We decide we're going to settle on our east side and work our tails off for the work of God. I'm going to work for my deliverance. I'm going to work for my fruit. I'm going to work for my healing. And we settle on the east side. We serve a God who is focused on restoring his people. He is driven by his love, and he is ever speaking the fullness of his path over his children. Ever speaking his fullness over your life. His plan, his promise. And many of you, 
I would like to propose are working harder to stay out of the west side than it would be to just step into the west side. Come on, some of you are working so hard to keep the Holy Spirit quiet in your life, and if you would just relax and let it flow, you might discover that you have gifts that you have not worked for. Come on, you might discover that you love people who are unlovable. You might discover that it's easier to just forgive that person than to hang on to your anger. Come on, you might discover that you have a prophetic anointing that you've been avoiding. Some of us are working harder to stay on the east side to keep the Holy Spirit tucked, contained, come on, in a box instead of just letting him loose in your life. So somehow the two and a half tribes had determined that the land where they were at the land where they could see, the land that they were familiar with, the land that seemed good enough. Come on, how many of you know religion will tell you you just need to be content where you're at? Come on, we break that lie right now in the name of Jesus because God says that we are a people that are moving from glory unto glory and that means there's an increase in my life and while I will be content in the waiting, I will not be complacent. I will expect that tomorrow is do God is doing a good thing. That tomorrow God is going to do more in my life. So he, they settled there in this land that they were familiar with. The Bible says in 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, to have what they saw was most advantageous for themselves. I can see it. I know what to expect. We are we are being productive here. Come on. Remember I said that the, sometimes the greatest enemy of being great is good. This is a good land. This is a good land. This is a good space. It seems good, to enough, uh, good enough to us. Do not take us over the Jordan. But they lacked the ability to see what they couldn't see. I'm going to say that again. They lacked the ability to see what they couldn't see. They lacked the ability to know what they hadn't known. They lacked the ability to live in what didn't yet exist. Come on, I met my friends today from Nebraska. I'm going to call you guys out. I should have told you this today. I met with them for lunch today. So sweet. We're going to be doing a revival up in Nebraska. How many people are going to travel and go up to? Yeah, we're going to do a, we're going to do a revival up there. And we talked about doing the thing that you know is in your mind, acting like it already exists, pretend, digging the trench. Come on, you know the story in 2 Kings where they said, water, is, water will come tomorrow, but it won't come in an ordinary way. There's not going to be rain. There's not going to be snow. And he said, all you need to do is dig some trenches. And how many of you know I would have been like, you want me to who? You want me to what? That's going to take me a lot of time. But ultimately, it was the trench that made a way for the water. And some of you aren't willing to dig a trench. You're waiting for water, and God is saying, dig the trench, and I'll bring the water. Dig the trench, and I'll bring And we're waiting to see the water, and you go, then when you see the water, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to try and dig the trench. And the water goes right around you, and you go like, oh, it wasn't my time. Guess it wasn't the timing of the Lord. Come on, how many of you know in John chapter 2, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she altered timing a little bit. She sure did. Come on, that's not a popular message, but I'm going to preach it. But Jesus said, it is not my time yet. And she said, oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. 
She, I, I would like to propose she gave Jesus a little bit of pushback. How many of you know it, the, the king Hezekiah was given a word that he would die? And he turned his face to the wall and he began to cry and he said, God, don't forget that I've served you all of my life. And he changed the mind of God. He gave God some pushback. And God changed his mind. Come on, people are going to be like, oh, God. They're going to TikTok that and I'm going to get all kinds of stuff. But the reality is we have more authority than we think we do. Come on, the Old, Old Testament, in the Eden, God said to Adam and Eve, you have dominion, you have authority, you stand on the earth, you subdue it. And Eve took the fruit, she took the authority, and she handed it over to Satan. And so Jesus was like, no, it's all right, I got it. I'm going to take it back, and in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give it back to my people. It went full circle. That authority went full circle. That was all for free. So they lacked spiritual vision. They were unable to, to see the idea that there was something possible on the other side of that river. They lacked the ability to take a risk. Come on, it would be risky to pack up. This is good. We're prospering here. Our children are settled. Our wives are settled. So the Jordan River did not just represent the border to their promise. It also represents the border from the natural to the supernatural. And that's what we're going to be talking a lot this weekend about. I know the new shirt that we got out is called There's a Super on Your Natural because I say that all the time. And we're going to be talking about how to step into the supernatural ways of the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into tomorrow. Because I thought I thought when I started writing this message that the three sessions were going to be about West Side Story, supernatural character, the supernatural gifts. And the Lord was like, most of the people in here have an understanding of the supernatural gifts. I want to go deeper. I want to go further. And I want to talk about supernatural senses. And we're going to be talking about that tomorrow in the third session. How do you smell in the spirit? How do you hear in the spirit? How do you see in the spirit? How do I feel? Come on. How do I feel the Holy Spirit? How do I know when God is in the room? Come on. How does Patrice know when God is in the room? Because she's feeling something other than just the natural. Because she's crossed the border from the natural to the supernatural. And she's sensitive to the spirit. And that's not a unique gifting for her. The only difference is she's activated it. She's developed it. She's stepped into it. She uses it. Come on. Some people are like, I've never, ever prayed over somebody and they've been healed. And I'm like, how many times have you prayed for somebody to be healed? They're like, well, come on. The Jordan River represents this weekend for us the barrier from the natural to the supernatural. So I'm going to read on. It says this, And Moses said to the children of Gad, to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you just sit there? Maybe this is the saddest verse in the chapter. <laughs> shame, shame, tisk, tisk. Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over to the land which the Lord has given to them? And then they came, and came out to him and they said, Well, we will build our here for our livestock, our cities, and our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed and we'll go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place and our little ones and we'll dwell in the fortified cities here because of the inhabitants of the land. We don't want to take our children over there. God forbid we should teach our children how to battle. Come on. Come on. We will not 
into our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received their inheritance. But once you receive your inheritance, we're going to come back. Come on, how many of you know we come to church for an hour once a week and we battle and we war and we pray and we sing in tongues and then we go back to our east side on Monday morning? Come on, we play the hokey pokey in the supernatural. We play the hokey pokey in the spirit. So basically they said, okay, we'll cross over and we'll fight with you, but then we're coming back to the east side because this is where we're comfortable. And just like them, we justify our life on the east side by going to church once a week. Come on, some of you are super spiritual. You go twice a week. You understand that one hour of your week is 0.6% of your life. You are not going to grow in the spirit 0.6% of your life. For those of you who go twice a week, that's 1.2%. You're not all that better. 1.2% of our life we spend in the spirit. We puff up our chests because we've learned how to not gossip for the hour while we're at church. Come on, we've learned how to not cuss for the hour that we're at church. We've learned to not be depressed when I can feel the joy of the Lord. And so 0.6% of our life, we're in the west side, battling in the spirit, and then we settle back in our east side where we're comfortable. We slip right back into our old habits where we were at. For a moment, we step out of our depression. For a moment, we step out of our anger. For a moment, we're like, yes, I'm delivered from that addiction. But we don't know how to war and battle on Monday. We don't know how to disciple ourselves. We don't know how to discipline ourselves. We need everybody to do it for us. Y'all are exhausting. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. Am I right, Pastor? Come on now. So tomorrow we're going to do a foot wash. Don't not come because I tell you this. We're going to do a foot washing service. And so you're going to be first. And so when we did kind of a, a Zoom meeting, we were like, all right, who's going to run the, who's going to do the foot washing? And I said, nobody's going to do foot washing. Because these people who are coming are mature. And if they can't learn how to cleanse themselves and wash their own feet, then they need to go back to the milk. They need to go back to the milk. So you're going to be washing your own feet. Why? Because we need to learn how to cleanse ourselves. We need to live in a life of repentance. Live in that. So bottom line, they grabbed the good land, and they missed out on the God land. Come on, how many of you are like, this is a good land? That's great. Is it what God told you to do? Is this where God told, we talk about good goals versus God goals. I can set some really good goals in my life, but if they are not God goals, they're on the east side of the Jordan. They're set out of my own mind. They're set out of my own desire. They're set out of my own vision. But God says, those are really good goals. Where'd you get them? Where'd you get those goals, Lisa? They settled for being comfortable. They settled for what they could see, what they knew, and what was good enough. And in doing so, listen to me. They opted out on the promise. I like to ask this question in the counseling room, what's at stake? If you make this decision, what's at stake? If you don't make this decision, what's at stake? And some of us have been like, oh, there's not much at stake for me to just kind of compromise a little bit my relationship with the Lord. And I would like to propose to you there's a lot at stake. Your fullness is at stake. Your inheritance is at stake. Fruit that you have not worked for is at stake. Come on. Gushing rivers in your valleys is at stake. When you say, oh, it's not that big of a deal if I just, if I just send this text complaining. Come on, let's just keep it real. Come on, because some of you are like, well, I'm not addicted to drugs, but you might be addicted to sugar. Oh, is that too much? 
Is that too much? Is that too much? Come on, some of you are addicted to carbs, and you can't say those tortilla chips call to you from the middle of the table. And you stare at them, you're trying to have a conversation with the person across from you, but you can't even say no to the tortilla chip. Come on. I'm just keeping it real. I'm just trying to keep it real because, like, we're all in here. We all church people, right? We all church folk. And we think, we think we're, good. we're the good people. You are the good people. But are you on the west side? Are you on the west side? In addition to settling on the east side, I would like to remind you that Reuben and Gab were the first one picked off by the Assyrian king. Come on, I'm not making this stuff up, you guys. It's in the Old Testament. The Assyrian king, the enemy comes in and picks them off first. And some of us have settled on the east side, and we wonder why the devil messes with us so much. I would like to propose to you that when you're on the west side, the enemy can't find you. It was prophesied over me. How many of you know David Gardner? He prophesied over me years ago that said this. I see that you are so tucked into the glory. And when you minister to people, it's like you stick out a hand and you touch somebody and they get healed and you tuck yourself in. And the devil sees that there's been a work of the Lord and he looks, but he can't find you. Somebody sent me a text today and they said, I saw a vision today of sharks circling around you and I just want to Pray the glory of the Lord around you. And I was like, he was like, I don't know if you bear witness with that. I said, of course there's sharks circling around me, but they can't find me. They can't find me. And I don't, I don't mean that to be arrogant. I say it with confidence that when you're settled in the glory of the Lord, the enemy's looking and he's like, where'd she go? Who just touched that person and they got healed? Who just touched that person and they got delivered? Who just touched that person and they got set free? Where did she go? I can't see anything. It's too bright over there. It's too brilliant. And when you settle in compromise, when you settle in the permissible, when you settle in the this is good enough, I want you to know that you are free pickings for the devil. You are free pickings for the devil because there is a place where God will encompass you. There is a place. It is possible. Come on, it is possible that the blood of Jesus really does protect you. Come on, we say it all. The blood of Jesus protects me, but then we call, I just, I just have so many arrows. Oh, my God. This is, and I'm like, well, pull them out. Come on now. Yeah, there, there's, there's always going to be arrows. There's always going to be arrows. Come on, shield yourself. I always tell people, like, I like the Batmobile. You've got to be my generation where you're like, people are talking, they're saying stuff. Some people, some people say stuff to your face. That bowl, and I'm just like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> do you hear anybody talking? Because I don't hear anything talking. As tomorrow, we're going to talk about supernatural hearing and how when you're in the supernatural, you hear things, but you also don't hear things. Come on, remember Jesus when it says he stooped in the ground as though he didn't hear? Because the Spirit deafened him to the sound of people's voices. Come on, and some of us need that in this room. All right, so Deuteronomy 28 talks about the obey, when you obey the commandments of the Lord, you will reap the fullness of his blessings. Remember, it says, the blessings of the Lord will overtake you. When the ble- I'm like, well, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means, but I want to I find out. Come on, you ever been at a, in an ocean before and you're like standing in the waves? You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, and they're coming in. And next you know there's a big one. And you're like looking at your friend taking a selfie and that sucker overtakes you. And your phone, that never happened to anybody. Your phone goes out into the ocean, yeah. Love you, Amy Sanger. And so, (laughs) 
and the ocean overtakes you because you're like, oh, and you're like, ah, <laughs> it's so much fun, you know? And that's what I think, that's what I think it is to be overtaken with the blessings of the Lord, where you're just like swept off your feet and you're laughing and you're getting and you just lost all control and your bottoms are coming off and your top's coming off and you don't really care because you're just going with the flow. Angela's like, that's too much. It's just too much. I, you had me until the bottoms came off. You had me until the bottoms came off. All right, listen, I wonder who in the room has settled on the east side of the Jordan when God is calling you on the west side. Now, I'm going to tell you some things. Let's see, this is east for you guys. This is west for you guys. I'm going to try and get that straight. So on the east side, we have things that we can see in the natural. On the west side, we have things that we cannot see. On the east side, you have what you know, what you're sure of, what you're confident in. The west side is what I'm not really, what I really don't know without the spirit, right? On the east side, we have permissible choices. On the west side, we have beneficial choices. Come on, the east side is safe. It's safe over here. The west side is warfare. Where you're engaged, you are armed, you are ready, you are awakened at 2 a.m. to warfare for Israel. You are awakened. If your spirit has not been awakened over the last week or so, you are asleep. You are asleep, and I'm just going to say it directly. You are asleep if your spirit has not been alerted and your soul has not engaged with the spirit man and said, I am here to pray for Israel. Because the east side is safe. The west side is warfare. The east side is natural. The west side is spiritual. It's supernatural. Come on, I'm going to keep it real. The east side is confession. When we go to church and we confess with no intention of repenting. Come on, when you confess, when people come up there confess to me, like, so what are you doing to, what are your plans to change this pattern in your life? And they just stare at you. And they have no intention in changing. Oh, I just plan on coming every Sunday morning and confessing and have my, my pastor lay hands on me and I feel better for about an hour. But I have no intention in changing my life. But the west side is repentance. It means I'm not going to just confess. I'm going to change my ways. I already have a plan for when the devil comes to drag me back into that space again. I already have a plan in place. I'm not just confessing. I'm repenting. I'm not a woman of confession. I'm a woman of repentance. Come on, because I believe in confessing and then changing my ways, turning away from my sin and turning towards God. Over here we have compromise. Over here we have I'm all in. And I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Come on, some of us hear what God is telling us to do, and we're like, okay, I'll try it. That's compromise. That's not all in. All in is I'm going to do it, and I'm going to keep doing it until he tells me to stop doing it. I don't care what I see. I don't see it. care if there's results, no results. I'm going to keep doing it. Over here is earthly. Over here is heavenly. Over here is earthly. This is heavenly. Over here is good. This is best. Over here is natural senses. Over here is your spiritual senses, and that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Over here is discerning from the soul. Come on, how many, how many of you have ever gotten a prophetic word and you're like, I feel like that was from the soul, right? It's possible to prophesy, oh, you know, pray for people from the soul. Like, oh, my gosh, sister, you just look so sad. I, you're still, I just feel so bad for you. I'm just going to pray for you. I just, I just pray that you'll get some sleep because you don't look good. You know, I just pray for you. That's a soulish prayer. And we've all had it before. And we think we're discerning in the spirit, but you're not. You're on the east side and you're discerning from your soul. 
And, there's, and your soul is a segue to the Spirit. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow. We're going to talk about the trichotomy and how your soul is actually the, the Jordan River that you've got to get across at this point in, in the New Testament. But, but the reality is a lot of us have settled for that space and we're like, well, this is good enough because I don't really want to be prophetic because that's weird. And God might have me prophesy over somebody in Walmart and that would be weird, you know. And so we've settled for comfortability. And so I'm like, oh, I just bless you in the name of Jesus. I just pray for you. Bless you in Jesus' name. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I, I don't want to downplay that. But I want to challenge you that there's more than that. I want to challenge you that there's deeper wells for you to reap from. This side is carnal man, which, by the way, is the believer that still acts like an unbeliever. The natural man is the unsaved man. The carnal man, okay, so we're not talking about the unsaved. We're not talking about the, I, I, I would love if people, if somebody's not saved in the room, that they get saved this weekend. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure everybody knows Jesus as their personal savior. But it's possible, it's just possible that maybe some of us have a little bit of a carnal lifestyle. That we think thoughts we shouldn't be thinking. Let me say this, we entertain thoughts we shouldn't be entertaining. You know, you can think a thought, but when the thought begins to think on you, Come on, you don't have to become the thought. Everybody has a thought enter into their mind every once in a while. But that doesn't mean you have to entertain the thought. See, if you're on the west side, you're like, what did you say? Oh, I can't hear you. Oh, I can't hear that. Oh, you, ooh, ooh, that smells. Come on, you start to smell. You start to smell stinky thoughts. On this side is a soul life. On this side is a spiritual life. Come on, this side is managing your demons. I've learned how to manage my anger. I've learned how to manage my depression all these years. I've just, you know, really learned how to manage. I just get up out of bed, and I have all these really good coping skills. And that's, a, that's part of the process. That's part of the journey. But the west side is being delivered. And some of us have settled for managing our demons, and we've missed out on the deliverance of our demons. On this side is managing your affliction, manning, managing your disease, Managing your pain, this side, you're healed. You're healed. Come on, it's possible. But a lot of us have settled over here, and we've missed out for what's over here. This side is sloppy. It's sloppy. It's really sloppy. Here's the fun part. The west side's messy. <laughs> How many of you know it gets messy in the spirit, right? But there's a difference between sloppy and messy. Right? You, sometimes when people come forward and they get the messy cry, you know, and you always have that Martha in the church that's going to bring them tissue, and I'm like, no, they need to be messy for a minute. Give them, let them be messy. Let it be messy, you know? And so things get sloppy on the east side, and the west side is messy. On the east side, you have your Logos word. How many of you know you can read the word but not have a revelation of the word? How many of you know the Bible says that the revelation of the word comes through the Spirit of God? So you can, oh, come on, they walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, but they had no revelation of who, she, who he was. It's possible for you to walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, read about Jesus, but not have a revelation of Jesus. Oh, I lived that. I lived that. I didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until about 10 years ago. Shocker. I was all in when I got it, though. I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Hello. Okay, so... I lived 20 years before that, very schooled in the Word. I knew the Word. I could quote the Word. I preached the Word. 
But when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or came to life. It became alive in me. It became more than just a pipe dream. Come on, how many of you are, feel like I'm living, sometimes I feel like I'm living a pipe dream with Jesus because I have all this information on who I could be, who I should be, what I'm supposed to be, but then I have my reality. If that's you, get a copy of my book, Enforcing You. On this side is faith. I have faith. But this side is blind faith. Come on, because there's a difference between faith and blind faith. Some of us are like, I just need a sign from God. We get a sign and we do something on faith. But blind faith says, I don't need a sign. I don't need a sign. Because if God said do it, I'm going to do it. He doesn't have to tell me twice. He didn't stutter. He didn't stammer. I don't need a sign from God. I can do it blind. Like the man with the mud in his eyes when he walked blind to the pool of Siloam. Every step he took was in the dark. That's blind faith. Come on, some of us are like, let's just think about that, ver that, that story for a moment. I'm blind, I, I, and, and somebody comes and spits in my eye, which, by the way, was the same sound that the entire culture used to bear witness with the fact that he was cursed because he was born blind. Okay, so if you were born blind, people would spit on you to bear witness that you were born cursed. So a blind man, all he hears his whole life is <laughs> his whole life, people just spitting on him. And Jesus uses the very same sound that the devil used to define him, come on, to change the narrative in his life. The very same sound that bore witness to his cursing was the sound that loosed the blessing of the Lord, that loosed his healing. But he, puts, he spits and he puts mud in his eyes and he says, and then you hear this voice that says, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. I don't know if Jesus did that, but I like to be like, I just got to move on, you know. I got to move on. And so you're the blind man. Somebody spits in your eyes, puts mud in your eyes. It's, it feels like another practical joke to me. I'm, I'm going to be honest. There must have been something in the sound of Jesus' voice. There must have been a supernatural hearing. Come on. There must have been a supernatural vision. There must have been a supernatural atmosphere that made this man respond differently for the first time in his life. I would like to propose that his ears opened up to hear what everybody else didn't hear. That his eyes, though he couldn't see, somehow navigated him to the pool of Siloam while he was in the dark. Come on, there's so much supernatural senses in there. Without vision, he walked and he hits the pool of Siloam. Blind faith. If I'm the man, I would be like, which direction? Where do I go? How do I know how to get there? Can you take me by the hand? Can somebody walk me there? That's not blind faith, y'all. That's faith. Really good operating on faith, but we've missed out on the beauty and the reward of blind faith. And frankly, the fun. It's fun. It's fun to take the risk. It's fun over here, we have a form of godliness, but over here, we walk in the power. Come on, you know, first Timothy, Second Timothy, I think, at 3.5, it says that they, they operate in a form of godliness, but they, de de they deny the power thereof. Operating in a form of godliness, but denying the power of God. And a lot of us have learned how to live a life that's a form of of godliness, but we have no power in our life. 
We are powerless to be set free, much less set other people free. Because we've settled for a form of godliness and we've missed out on the power of God. Over here, we have acting like Jesus. Over here, we have being Jesus. Come on, I'm tired of acting like Jesus. I want it to be genuine in my heart. I don't want to act compassionate and in my mind be like, oh my God, I wish this person would stop talking. Am I the only one? Maybe I should have said that from the east side. Let me get back over on the east side. Oh my God, I wish that person would stop talking. Do you see me? I roll my eyes. Where over here, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like there was a time that this would have really annoyed me, but there's something in my heart that is stirred with compassion for this person. And my heart is touched. Come on, because I've learned how to feel love. Come on, supernaturally. You know, a lot of us have learned how to love naturally. Some of us haven't even done that. But we've missed out on loving people supernaturally. How do, what does it look like to love the unlovable? What is, come on, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but what does love smell like? What does love feel like? What does love look like? And so over here, we have acting like Jesus, and over here, we have being Jesus. And here's the beauty, thing, beauty of God, is he's given you free will. And like the two and a half tribes, God's not going to force you. He's not going to chase after you. He's not going to shake you, but he will continuously invite you. He will continuously release the scent of the fruit of the west side. He will continually call to you from the west side. He will continually allure you. Remember in uh, Hosea where he says, Here I am on the other side of your lattice, peering through the peephole, wondering when you're going to come away with me, my love. Come away with me, my love. Come out with me. Come over to the west side. But I will stand here behind the wall that you have built, trying to keep me out. Come on. I love the beginning of that. It says, my lover comes bounding upon the mountains. Come on, how many of you know that God's been like, hang on, here I come. I'm going to make it through your depression. He's bounding over your anger. He's bounding through your addiction. He's bounding. And we're like, no, don't see me. No, no, no. I got to stay on the east side. I got to make sure this is the east side. I'm going to stay on the east side. It's too scary over there. I don't know who I would be if I wasn't addicted. Come on. I don't know who I would be if I wasn't angry. I've been depressed my whole life. My mom was depressed. My daddy was depressed. My sister's depressed. I don't know how to behave if I'm not depressed. I don't know how to be in a healthy relationship. And some of us are more comfortable with what we know. And we settle here and we say, it's okay, I see what you have to offer. But if you don't mind, Jesus, I'd like to stay here and don't take me across the Jordan River. I don't want the blessings and the promises. It sounds ridiculous. I often tell people when I would, when I would teach youth a lot, and I still do, we would talk about uh, Cinderella and how ridiculous it would have been at the end when the prince came and said, you're the one. He came back and he was like, oh, this, the glass slipper, it fits you. And she's like, how ridiculous would it have been if she would have been like, oh, I see that you've come on grace and you love me even in my rags and even in my poorness and even in my poverty and you still want to take me to the castle and you still want to live heavily, happily ever after with me and you still want to love me and you still want to be with me. But if it's okay with you, I'm going to stay here in my humble abode. 
Like nobody would want to watch that movie. As a little girl, what we loved about the movie is that she was loved in her rags. Come on, she wasn't just loved at the ball. She was loved in her rags. That's a message. She was loved in her rags. And a lot of us are like Cinderella going, hmm, I see what you have in mind for me over there on the west side. I don't know. I think it's just okay with you, God. And you know what? Here's the cool thing is it is okay with God. I was reviewing, reviewing this story. My, my 16-year-old son and I, we have a date night on Thursday nights where we go out to eat and we just talk about Scripture. And he prefers me to tell him Scripture versus reading it. And so we're in uh, the Dragon Express, and I'm like sharing about the east side and the west side. And so I kind of share with him. I tell him about the 12 tribes. Of course, he knows about the 12 tribes. And I was like, so they settled on the east side. Isn't that crazy? And he was like, but you know what the beautiful thing about that is? Is God still loved them on the east side. And he was like, so, I mean, this is, this is a sad story, but it's a beautiful story about God's grace, too. And I just thought it was beautiful that he recognized, because I've, I've taught my kids, at least I've tried to teach my kids, what do we learn about the character of God through the story? And what he said is, I learned that God is a God who's grace, who's gracious. And when his people tell him no, and his people reject his provision, and his people say, I don't want your promises, he says, okay, but I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to help you and I'm still going to provide for you, and I'm still not going to leave you. Come on, some of you have worked really hard to shake out of the hand of God, and he has been stubborn for you. Patrice, if you want to come back up, that's, we're almost there. In 1 Corinthians 10.23, it says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying to you. I wonder how many of you are making decisions that are okay for your life, but they have absolutely no benefit to your spiritual health absolutely no benefit to you. Come on, anybody feeling convicted right now? Why do we do the things we do? Come on, we just live a vanilla life. And then we wonder why God's doing vanilla things in our life. And he's like, man, put some hot fudge on that baby. Put a cherry on the top and give yourself some whipped cream. Let's start making an excellent hot fudge Sunday. Stop with the vanilla. Stop with the vanilla and start asking yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing what I'm doing? How is this? We ask our residents residents this all the time. What have you done to move forward in your program? And we give them points. We score them because we want them to know that every decision you make is an asset or it is a liability to who you are becoming in Christ. There is no in-between. And we have all settled in the in-between. We're not in the wilderness, but we're in the east side. And we're living vanilla, permissible, it's okay, God's not mad at me, it's all right, he says it's okay. Okay, but is it beneficial? Is it an asset to who you are becoming? How is this grooming and growing your anointing? Come on, your anointing is at stake. Your anointing is at stake. In 2 Timothy it says this, In a palace you find many kinds of containers and tableware for many different uses. Some are beautifully inlaid with gold or silver, but some are just made of wood and earthenware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions, and some are used for everyday use. But you, Timothy, you must not see, you must not see your life and ministry this way. Your life and your ministry must not be disgraced. Listen, he's talking to you and I. For you are to be a pure container of Christ, dedicated, inlaid with gold, inlaid with silver, used for honorable purposes for your master. 
earthenware, gold. Everyday, ordinary use, kingdom purpose. Come on, we want this, but we're not willing to do this. We're not willing to purify. He goes on and he says, run as fast as you can away from all the ambitions and the lusts of the world and chase after what is pure. Chase after what is pure. Whatever builds up your faith, come on, what, what are you doing to build up your faith? What are you doing to build up your faith? Not what is your pastor doing? What is your church doing? Oh, I just didn't like the way the pastor preached today. Well, get in your closet and get yourself a message from the Lord. Stop putting all the pressure on your church. Grow up, get in your closet, and build up your own faith. Build it up. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love. Come on, that's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. Whatever builds, come on, there are some things we do that are not deepening my love. I'm talking about over here, and I'm talking about, the, and I'm talking about my depression. I'm talking about my anxiety, and I'm talking about my mother-in-law, and I'm complaining about my kids, and I'm complaining about my neighbor, and I'm complaining about my husband, and I'm griping about the dogs, and I'm wishing I had more money, and none of that is building my faith or deepening my love. None of it. Change your language. Change your narrative. When the Bible says they will speak in a new tongue, they will speak, come on, sometimes we hyper-spiritualize things that we need to just bring it down to some relevant, relevant teaching. Change your tongue. Change the way you talk. Change the way you look at yourself. Change what you say to yourself in the mirror. Change the way you talk to your husband. Change the way you talk to your children. Come on, change the way you talk to your dog. Start somewhere. Some of us have to start small. <sighs> but he says they will speak in a new tongue. And some of us are like, when am I going to get a new tongue? And the Lord says, when you get a new tongue. I told my friends today, people ask, when did you start traveling? And I said, when I started traveling. Yeah, you're gonna, you can do it when you do it. It's exactly right. When are you going to get a new tongue? When you get a new tongue. Stop waiting on the Lord to do what he already did for you on the cross. Stop waiting on him to do for it. He is not your doer. He is your helper. Come on, that means we are in partnership. And a lot of us are like, I'm waiting on you, God. And he's like, I'm waiting on you, Lisa. It goes on and it says, whatever builds up your faith, deepens your love, must become your holy pursuit. I just wonder what a day like that looks like. Come on, I want more. I want more. I want more. I, I get to travel to Virginia. I travel to Ohio. I've seen people get healed. I've seen people levitate off the ground going through deliverance. But I want more. I want more. I want to operate in more. I want to see more power flow through my life. I want a deeper love in my life. I want more. And I have got to live a life in holy pursuit of purity. Holy pursuit. Come on, you, a lot of you aren't going to like the message tomorrow because we're going to be talking about purity, repentance. Uh, we have to live a life of holy pursuit and live in peace with all those who worship the Lord God your Jesus with a pure heart. 
Listen, the desire to be comfortable will keep you in a compromised state. And, and I would like to propose to you, whatever your spiritual habit is, however comfortable, I get up at 6 a.m., I spend 30 minutes in the, with the Lord. Good for you. I wonder what 35 minutes would do. I wonder what 40 minutes would do. I wonder what an hour would. I'm just asking, will you give him more so that he can do more? Will you purify more so he can do more? Will you surrender more so he can flow more? Because there's more to be had. See, this weekend is not about what God's going to do for you. It's about how you're going to step into the partnership that he started on the cross. He started in the Garden of Eden. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I wish I could talk to you as mature people, but I can't because you're carnal. I can't have spiritual conversations with you because you're carnal. I, I have to use spiritual things to, to describe spiritual things, and I can't because you're carnal. I fed you with milk and not solid food because you weren't able to receive the solid food. Come on, this is a sad verse. What's the saddest verse in this chapter? Is that Paul's like, I want so much more for you, but you're so carnal, you can't get beyond milk. And there's an invitation for us tonight to come deeper into the kingdom. Come on, because too many believers aren't living supernatural lifestyles. And I'm not talking about believing in the supernatural. Reuben and Gad believed in the promised land, but they didn't live in it. They didn't live in it. And a lot of us in here, I believe in the supernatural. Yeah, but you live. Are, are you living in the supernatural? Are you laying hands on people? Are you allowing a supernatural love to flow for you? Are you allowing a supernatural response to come out of you? Are you living? You can believe in it all you want. You know what the Bible says? Even the demons believe. Even the, demon, the demons probably believe in God's supernatural ways more than we do. I'm not asking you if you believe in the supernatural. I'm asking you if you're ready to live in it. I'm asking you if you're ready to live in it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.